Well, good afternoon, uh, or whatever time it is when you may be watching this. I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon, September the 1st. Uh, we're already into September, uh, and I'm glad you're joining me uh, for this podcast, whether you see me or whether you just listen to me. Uh, appreciate you joining me and taking the time to go through God's Word and study a little bit together with me. Uh, last week, and we weren't able to do our podcast last week, so uh, you can't catch up with that, but uh, last week I started looking at uh, theology and how we know who we are and, and, and what we believe. And so over the next several weeks, uh, I'm going to be doing uh, just some lessons on some simple theology, some, some basics. Uh, it's actually based off of a book that I've used to work through with people at different times. It's written by uh, Daryl Aaron, and I always want to say Arnold for some reason, but it's Daryl Aaron uh, who wrote this book, and it's Doing Theology uh, in 15 Minutes a Day. And so there's like 40-some chapters uh, in this, and he's got a couple other books in that same kind of series. Uh, they're really good, helpful books. Uh, they're just kind of a primer, uh, just a, a starting point uh, for doing some of these studies, and that's what I'm using to at least be a springboard uh, to uh, share some, some lessons. And today, I just had a, a real good um, reminder of why these kinds of things are important. Uh, you know, a lot of times we think theology, well, that's just for, you know, that's for pastors or that's for seminary students or that's for people that uh, just, you know, have to think a lot. Uh, you know, I just want to know what I, I want to believe. Well, <laughs> we're talking about what's important and what you need to know to believe. Uh, and in the mornings, uh, most mornings, Monday through Friday, uh, part of my exercise routine as I'm listening to things, uh, as I'm exercising, is I listen to the daily briefing. It's a 25-minute or so podcast put out Monday through Friday, um, most every week through the year, by Albert Moeller. And he does a great job. I'll put a plug in here for that. would encourage you to take time and uh, listen to that uh, when you can. And and what he does, he, he just takes current events in our world uh, and speaks to them from a biblical worldview, how, how believers can uh, look at these things and, and why these things are important. Uh, and that's been helpful to me, uh, just to hear his take on uh, how we as believers should uh, relate to uh, our, our world. And that's kind of what I want to get out of these studies as well, uh, is how do we take what we believe uh, and really apply it to our to our daily lives? Uh, in this morning's daily briefing, uh, he made mention about uh, Harvard University and their newest uh, chief chaplain. Uh, if you don't know about Harvard University, most of us know it's an Ivy League school. It's been around uh, since before the United States was even formed uh, as uh, a country. It was way back in 1636 that uh, the Puritan believers that were living in the Boston area uh, in New England, as they were getting settled there, uh, they wanted to be sure that they had an educated clergy so they could make sure that they were being taught properly uh, about uh, Scripture and about God's Word. So they instituted Harvard University, uh, and that was its main and primary goal was to uh, teach and train uh, young theologians uh, so that they could pastor churches properly. Well, if you know anything about Harvard, that is 
far removed from who they are today. Uh, now, they still do have chaplains, uh, and, in sta- and in fact, one of their endowed seats is uh, for uh, a chaplain seat there at Harvard. Uh, well, and, and some of this, you can listen to today's uh, daily briefing to get a better explanation of all this, but uh, Harvard actually went off the rails pretty quickly, uh, and that's where uh, Yale came into being to kind of offset where they were going with their beliefs. But they made news today uh, because they still do have chaplains, and they have chaplains for every faith that you can imagine. The new chief chaplain, uh, his name is Greg Epstein, uh, and he is an atheist. <laughs> Believe it or not, uh, the, the, the chief chaplain at Harvard University uh, is an avowed atheist. Now, he calls himself a humanist, uh, and he has actually been a humanist chaplain there for the last several years. Uh, but by unanimous vote by the other chaplains, he was elected as the chief chaplain for Harvard University. Uh, he actually has a book that he has authored, and uh, the title of that book is Good Without God. Uh, now, remember, this is supposed to be a chaplain, uh, and it, that is far removed from what we would think of as somebody who has a religious conviction and belief, uh, but uh, his belief system is basically humans and and just dealing with, with people not having anything to do with, with God. So I, I say all this to say that as we study begin this study into some theology and the importance of that, these things, we, we're far removed from... New England and the Northeast and all that here in the Bible Belt still in Alabama. But our beliefs are under attack continually, and we have to know what we believe and why we believe what we believe. Uh, We may not be in an Ivy League school and dealing with those kinds of issues, but we have family, we have friends, we have co-workers, we have uh, fellow students, we have neighbors, uh, all kinds of people that we have some kind of a platform with where we dialogue with them. uh, And and we'll talk about things of faith. We'll talk about things that we believe. Uh, One of the assignments that I encouraged uh, the the ones at the 10 o'clock Bible study last week to do was to, when you're watching the news or reading a newspaper uh, or even just listening to uh, TV ads or uh, whatever it might be, uh, to think about what theology, what, what, what belief about God are they proposing uh, in what they are teaching and, and what they are saying. Now, now, that doesn't mean they have to directly be talking about God, uh, but, you know, what is it they're saying about who man is or who God is or who we are or what's important, what's vital? Uh, you can learn a lot about uh, people and things that way because all that plays into what we believe and, and why we believe what we believe. So today, what we're going to look at here for just a few moments is uh, just uh, what's titled, uh, what I titled, How Can I Know God? And talking about the scriptures. Uh, Again, these are based off of Daryl Aaron's book. uh, And so this is basically chapters two through five. We won't get through all of this today. We'll take half today and about half next week. Uh, But uh, we'll look at some of these. So I want to give you the titles of these chapters here in just a, a moment. Uh, But as we come to this point in the podcast, let's pray and just ask God's guidance and uh, wisdom as we try to discern uh, who he is and how we can truly know him. Uh, So let's pray. Father, we come before you right now and we do thank you that uh, you are God, uh, you are in control, uh, and you do love us and care for us and you do make yourself known to us. Uh, So help us, Father, to know you, uh, to love you, and to serve you. 
Uh, I pray you'll give us wisdom and insight. And there are so many that uh, do not uh, recognize you. Uh, They suppress your truth in their lives. Uh, They look to other means uh, for meaning and purpose, and those are always unfulfilling. Those never last. And so, Father, I pray that as we do this study here, I thank you for this short little book uh, written and uh, that we can read and use as a uh, giving us direction in understanding some simple facts about uh, the importance of what we believe. So help us as we study this, uh, especially today as we look at uh, your word and the importance of your word. It's in Christ's most holy name that we pray. Amen. So let me just give you the titles, and I'd encourage you, if you want, to pick up a copy of that book. If you uh, are not sure what that is, you can give me a call or text me or uh, contact me, uh, but it's just uh, it's called Doing Theology in 15 Minutes a Day uh, by Daryl Aaron. Good little book. Again, I've used it uh, different places, different times. I'm going to use it here for uh, give a framework uh, for these Bible studies, and I'll do my best to let you know when I'm directly quoting him or, uh, you know, or, or when I'm just kind of using, you know, giving him giving us direction. Uh, But the title of these uh, chapters that deal with Scripture are, the first one is, How Can I Know God? Title of the Bible study today. Second one, uh, this is actually chapter three. Uh, That was chapter two. Chapter three is, How Do I Know the Bible is the Word of God? Uh, And then chapters four and five are, What are the Implications of the Bible Being the Word of God? Uh, The Chapter 4 is that title, and then chapter 5 is the same title with additional um, uh, implications. So we're going to look at those over the next couple weeks. Now, as we think about theology, you you would think, well, theology is just a combination of theos and logos, which means the study of God, uh, if you take that word and and break it down. Uh, So you would think, well, shouldn't we start with God? Uh, That's the most important thing. Well, we're going to talk about God, obviously, and who God is, But we have to have a foundation for that. Uh, If we don't have a standard for knowing who God is and and understanding uh, how he has spoken to us, then God becomes whatever we choose to make God. Uh, And so we start with the scriptures. We start with his word that he has given to us. Uh, And we're making some assumptions here. Obviously, there's some people that don't believe that, but we are starting with the assumption that we believe, I believe, that the Bible is God's Word. Uh, It is His revelation to us. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. Uh, and that it is uh, a reliable source. So that is the starting point. If you're talking with somebody about theology, if they just do not believe the Bible at all, well, I can give you some resources and some encouragement how you can talk to them uh, a little bit about that, about the reliability of God's Word. And we'll delve into a few little things about that here today. Uh, so we start with Scripture, and that, that's exactly where we start with our Baptist faith and message. We are a Southern Baptist church. Um, I uh, fully believe and support uh, who we are as a, a convention and uh, what we believe. I do not believe that only Southern Baptists are going to make it into eternity, uh, but I do believe that we as Southern Baptists uh, strive to uh, adhere to God's Word. And so our Baptist faith and message uh, is our doctrinal statement. It is what we, the general beliefs that we have uh, as a convention of of what we believe. So I'll be making reference oftentimes to that as we talk about these different areas of theology. And so if you don't have a copy of the Baptist Faith and Message, would encourage you to get that. You can Google it. If you have a computer, uh, you can just Google it and it's accessible there. If you can't do that or if you want a a different copy, I can give you, uh, get you a copy of that. But the Baptist faith and message begins with 
the article about scriptures. And let me just read this to you. And I know it's a rather lengthy, so I'll try to read it in a way that you can hopefully process it a little bit. Uh, but you'll see how this definition here plays real well with what uh, we have from uh, Aaron's book as well. This is the article, first article in the Baptist Faith and Message, just titled The Scriptures. The Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired, and is God's revelation of himself to man. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All scripture is a testimony to Christ who is himself the focus of divine revelation." Again, no, that's a lot to take in there, but I wanted to read that because that's our doctrinal stance of, of what we believe about the Bible. So as we go through this, what Aaron has in these chapters, uh, we're just going to touch on chapters uh, two and three here today. Uh, we have to ask ourselves, all right, well, scriptures are our key and scriptures are important. So the first question we ask is, how do we know there is a God? Oh, what makes us know that, that there's a God? Now, again, obviously some people say there is not a God. Uh, they don't believe in a God at all. But uh, we are told that we can know that there is God. And there's two different kinds of revelation. There's general revelation and specific or special revelation. General revelation is how God reveals himself to all people. Uh, first of all, we see God in nature. Uh, Psalm 19.1, uh, we are told this uh, about, uh, about God. This was written by David, wrote many of the Psalms. Uh, he was a shepherd, so I'm sure he experiences oftentimes as he was taking care of sheep and uh, living out his life. He says in Psalm 19:1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Uh, he's just basically saying you can look around nature uh, and, and you can see evidence of God. Uh, how many of us have been inspired by a, a, a sunset or a sunrise? Uh, or how many of us have been inspired, uh, just if you've ever had the opportunity, and I hope you have, where you've been out on a, a, a night that is, uh, you're, you're away from all the city lights, all the ambient life, and you're just out there and uh, it's, a, it's a clear night and you can see the stars and uh, the moon is, is, is hidden and you can look, and, and I've done this before, you can just, the longer you look at the heavens, the longer you look uh, up at the stars, it just fills up the sky, uh, the deeper it goes. Uh, it's just a beautiful sight, and, and that's what David is saying. You know, we can see in creation. We can see in this world that, that there is a God. Uh, not only do we have that in the Psalms, uh, Old Testament, in the New Testament, this is what Paul says. Uh, this is Romans chapter 1, verse 20. He says, for his invisible attributes, talking about God, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Uh, so, therefore, men are without excuse. Uh, Paul is just, again, saying the same thing David said. We can see in nature 
that there's a God. And, and when you look at people that worship something uh, or somebody, look at how oftentimes it is based upon nature in some way, based upon the moon and the stars and uh, the cycles of the seasons uh, and those kinds of things. Um, people look at that and they can see there's something bigger, something beyond uh, ourselves and, and who we are. So that's part of general revelation. So in nature, uh, also uh, we see divine or uh, general revelation through people. Uh, that's the Imago Dei. Uh, we're told in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 uh, that when man was created, uh, we are created different than all of other creation. Uh, God breathed life into us, and we're even specifically told that God said, let us make man in our image. Uh, so that does not mean we are God uh, or that we are gods. Uh, what it means is that God gave into us uh, some of who he is, and so we have this desire to know and, and understand him. Again, Scripture gives us some uh, insights into uh, understanding this. The, the first one is in uh, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11. Uh, this is what Solomon says. It says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Solomon recognizes, yeah, we don't really understand everything and how everything works together. Uh, that's bigger than us, and we, that's another subject to tackle another day. But that phrase that he says there, he has put eternity into man's heart. Uh, most people, if they take the time to contemplate life, and think about life. Oftentimes we're so busy and hectic and hurried that we don't do that, but there are times that we'll step back and we'll think about well, what is the meaning of life? Where did I come from? What 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 does all this make, you know, does this all this make sense? And God has put eternity into our hearts. We know there's something beyond and something more than us. Now, this doesn't mean everybody gets it right, um, but there's this longing to be known and to uh, remain known even past this life by many people. So through people, uh, we see that. Uh, and think about this. Uh, those people that do not believe in God, that, that don't believe that there's a God, that this is all we have and this is all we are, uh, why do they have such a strong need to disprove a God. Uh, so many of them uh, are so adamant. I have to prove that there is not a God. Well, I even think that says that there's something in them that's saying, I, I want to be right and I have to be right. And so I'm going to just do everything I can to deny this eternity that has been set in my heart and in my life. So general revelation, we see it uh, through nature, we see it through people, uh, and then we also see it through history. And there's a number of scripture references. I can give those to you if you want, but for sake of time, uh, just, just know we, we see how God has worked in history. Um, we see how he has made prophecies, and those prophecies have um, come into being. We, we see that uh, as, as we look how, how he's orchestrated uh, time and dates. And again, if you go back and if you, if you ever contemplate uh, just uh, you know where we came from, everybody has to get to a point where you say, okay, there was a beginning to this universe somewhere, whether it was 6,000 years ago or 60 billion years ago. It doesn't matter the time frame. People are going to have to eventually get back to there, there was a, some kind of a starting point there. Well, what was before that? Um, and, and how has everything come together? Uh, and so that's general revelation, that, that we know that throughout history we have seen uh, how things have worked together and been, been ordered. Even in the chaos, we still see some order um, in, in this life when we take time to reflect 
reflect and look back on those things. Uh, those are all general revelation. Those are things anybody can see uh, at, at any time. And that points us to God. It doesn't bring us to a saving knowledge of, of who God is, but it does point us to that there is something beyond us, something beyond who we are. That's general revelation. But then the, the other aspect of how we can know there's a God, there is specific or, or special revelation. And just think about some of the ways that God has revealed himself uh, over time. Uh, he has revealed himself by audibly speaking to people. Uh, one of the ones I thought about today was uh, Moses in the burning bush. The burning bush got his attention. He got over to the bush, and all of a sudden he heard this voice. God first said, take off those sandals. You're on holy ground. And, and he did that. Uh, in the Gospels, there's uh, several places where God speaks, uh, and, and, and some people hear and understand. Uh, we know that when Paul, that his conversion on the Damascus Road, uh, Acts chapter 9, also later on in Acts chapter 26, uh, he recounts that and uh, people heard uh, the voice. Now, some just thought it was thunder, but then others actually heard the voice, not just Paul, but others as well. So an audible voice. Uh, We know that God has spoken uh, specifically through dreams to people, uh, both Josephs, Joseph of the Old Testament and Genesis, um, and what led him to uh, Egypt first being sold. He had a lot of dreams, and his personal dreams, but also Pharaoh's dreams and other people's dreams that he interpreted. And then Joseph, uh, uh, Jesus's earthly father, uh, he was going to put Mary away because she was already pregnant, and in a dream he was told, don't do that, and he didn't. So not only those two, but other places too we see uh, in dreams. Uh, closely related to that are visions. Uh, a lot of the Old Testament prophets had visions. Uh, we also know in the New Testament, God worked that way as well. Uh, Peter, when he was at the Simon the Tanner's house, and God was going to lead him to go and share the good news with the Gentiles, uh, Cornelius in particular, and, and his household, uh, he gave him a vision of the sheep coming down, uh, and that led him to understand that he needed to step beyond just the Jewish people and, and, and share the gospel with uh, Gentiles. So visions, uh, messengers, God's angels uh, that, that he sends throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, Gabriel is one of those names that uh, we know quite often and, and hear quite often, but other angels that come and speak to uh, people and giving God's message, and we know that they are from uh, from God and 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 different. So uh, we see that throughout Scripture. Uh, fifth one that uh, Aaron mentions is uh, Jesus Christ Himself, the Son of God. Uh, not just in the New Testament, not just in the Gospels, uh, but even there's some Old Testament passages that uh, lean toward us understanding that there was a pre-incarnate. Uh, Jesus Christ uh, showing himself to people. Uh, Jesus Christ is God's son. We'll get when we talk about God, we'll talk about the fact that he has always been. This is the Trinity and and their Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So, it wasn't that Jesus was born for the very first time that all of a sudden he came into existence when we come to the gospels. He was already there. Now he came in different form uh, when he came uh, as a baby in a manger. But, uh, but, but Jesus was there at the creation of the world uh, in Genesis chapter 1 and all the way through uh, all of Scripture and all of time. So Jesus Christ. And then finally, the specific uh, special revelation is the Word of God. Some of what I read from our Baptist faith and message, what we believe, there's other plenty of other statements from evangelical Bible-believing churches uh, that make similar statements to the fact that the Bible is God's Word, and that's where we understand that is the standard of, of who God is and, and what we believe about God. That's all special 
revelation. That's God speaking into uh, humanity uh, specifically about who he is, not just a general way of that we can see some kind of order uh, in creation and uh, design in creation, but God actually speaking uh, to people uh, in, in a very real way. So that's, uh, that's how we know that there is a, a God. And that last one is what I want to spend a few more minutes on today, and we'll wrap up and pick up next week. Uh, the question is, how do we know that the Bible is the Word of God? And that's a legitimate question. We have to ask ourselves that. There's plenty of people that don't believe that. Again, our time doesn't allow us to get into a lot of facts and a lot of figures. Uh, I encourage my group this morning, uh, if they want a, another kind of simple way and a, and a practical way uh, to look at this, uh, Lee Strobel does some good work on this. Uh, Lee Strobel uh, wrote a book, um, The Case for Christ, and it comes from his own life story. His wife became a believer. Uh, he, they were not believers when they were married, and so he wanted to keep his wife the way she was, and so he went out. He was an investigative reporter, and he wanted to go out and disprove Christianity to her, wanted to convince her that none of this was real. And in his investigative reporting, uh, he came to the conclusion uh, through his study uh, in trying to disprove it that, no, this is real. And he came to be a believer uh, in Jesus Christ. So uh, there's a movie by the same name, Case for Christ. There's a book out, several books by Lee Strobel, and he's uh, done some good work in just sharing about how um, coming to understand uh, God's Word by looking at all the um, truthfulness that uh, about the Bible. So how do we know that the Bible is God's Word? I'm just going to tease you with some things here. Uh, let me give you things. Most of these are straight from Aaron's book. I uh, don't want to say that this comes directly from me. It comes from what he wrote. Uh, I'll add a little interpretation, a little bit of my own commentary with it. Uh, the, the three that he gives is, first of all, is historical events. Uh, we can know that certain things happen in certain places, and secular sources will tell us that. I've been preaching through the book of Jeremiah, uh, and one of the things I'm trying to really stress as I preach through Jeremiah is that these were real people living in a real place in a real time. Jeremiah was a real person, and they were dealing with real issues uh, all the way back 2,600 years ago, around the year uh, 600 or so B.C., before Christ was born. Uh, you know, you can go to historical records and find things that verify these things. One of the things we've been looking at is in 605, um, King Nebuchadnezzar uh, fought against the uh, Egyptians and the Assyrians, uh, Pharaoh Necho from, from Egypt, uh, and they had a great battle at uh, a city called Carchemish in 605 BC. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar won that battle and defeated the Egyptians and the Assyrians, and in that included uh, the part of the beginning of the downfall of Judah as well. You can go to secular historians and you can find events. You can find uh, records uh, of that. You can go to Carchemish today. It's an abandoned city, but there is archaeological sites there right on the border of, of Turkey and Syria. So it's a real place. Uh, and, and even secular historians will verify that that happened. So you can go to, you know, that, that's just one example of some historical examples. Uh, secondly, fulfilled prophecies. When you read Scripture and prophecies are, are, are made, again, this fits into Jeremiah as well. This last week, we looked at Jeremiah chapters uh, 27 and 28. Uh, and in that, uh, Jeremiah was saying there's going to be 70 years of captivity. There was another prophet by the name of Hananiah that said, no, it's going to be a real short thing. It's going to be a couple years and things will be better. Well, there was two conflicting prophecies there. Well, Jeremiah says, I wish that were true, but God says that, no, it's not going to be true. And ultimately, he said, listen, Hananiah, to prove that what you're saying is wrong, uh, you're going to be dead within these two years you're saying everything's going to be right. He actually died within two months. Well, that's fulfilled prophecy. 
uh, not just the death of Hananiah, but the 70 years of captivity and all the things that go with it. Uh, and that's just another one example, all the fulfilled prophecies of Jesus coming the first time. Uh, and so you can go to Scripture and you can see how events uh, were predicted, were prophesied, and they actually happened. Uh, so, you know, and again, all, oftentimes outside of the biblical sources for that. Uh, and then also affirmation from sciences. Now, now so for some reason, we've gotten to the point in our world that we think science and religion is separate. Quite in reality, the reason we have sciences in the way we have today uh, is because of religion. Uh, it was believers that wanted to figure out how God put this world together. God created it, and they wanted to understand it better. But just sort of like Harvard and Yale and some of those Ivy League schools, they started with a Christian basis, and then some people hijacked it and took it in a different direction. Many people have done that with sciences. But there's a lot of scientists even today, uh, especially here in the Huntsville area, uh, that that do believe in a God, in a creator. They, they, they do science, and they uh, understand it. It. But the affirmation from the sciences that uh, uh, what Scripture teaches and, and what Scripture uh, talks about is verifiable through, through science. Now, understand uh, that oftentimes the Bible was not written to be a scientific book. That was not the intent. Uh, I, I do not believe that Genesis chapters 1 and 2 were written to be a scientific manual for people to follow. But I do believe that Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the creation of the world— you can see how that plays out in science and, and how that is verified by science. It doesn't contradict science, and science doesn't contradict it, uh, and, and so it affirms it. So there's extra biblical sources. Uh, but then there's also in the Bible itself, uh, what, what the Bible says about itself. Um, one passage that we go to, oftentimes we'll uh, quote and, and read, it comes from uh, Paul's writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, Paul's final letter. In, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, we're told this, All Scripture is breathed out by God, uh, or inspired by God, and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. But that affirmation that Paul made there to Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed. It comes from God's mouth. That's what Scripture says uh, about itself, is that this is a direct word from God, to us. Uh, so, you know, again, there is a faith element in what we do here, but it's a faith element built on some observable facts and events. Um, somebody mentioned this morning when we were talking about this, you know, well, you know, one of the things we have to do is we have to take the Bible by faith. And yes, we do. Every human being on this planet lives by faith. Uh, now, that doesn't mean they live by faith in God because oftentimes they have faith in themselves or they have faith in something else, uh, but we all live by faith. The example I used before about uh, the universe and where we came from, you can take scientists and you're going to back them up and eventually you can get them to a point uh, where you say, okay, well, here's the beginning. Here, here's what was before what you said. And eventually you can, you can back them up there and there's going to come a point in time where they're going to say, well, this is just what I believe happened. Uh, you know, this is this is from my understanding of how things work. This is what I believe. Well, that's a faith statement, uh, and we have a faith statement here as believers as well. We believe that in the beginning there was nothing. God spoke, and it happened. I, I personally think that's proved out by even those that believe in the Big Bang. I'm sure when God spoke, boom, it happened. It was a Big Bang, and all those things took place. So 
everybody lives by faith, but we don't live by an illogical or an unsupported faith. Yes, there is a step. That's what faith is. It's taking a step into an unknown, something that is not completely 100% provable, but it's where you're saying, I'm, this is where I'm going to stake where I am. We as believers do that in the Bible, but it's based upon extra-biblical sources that prove the validity of the Bible, reading the Bible uh, and, and understanding that. Uh, so when we ask ourselves about this, and just real quickly to, to wrap things up, as we understand the Bible and, and what the Bible says, and some people will say, well, look at, you know, it's, it's, it's written over 4,000 years, and there's all these people that wrote it, and, you know, you can see things in there where two different people wrote it from two different angles and things like that. Well, one of the things we believe about Scripture, this is a direct quote from Daryl Aaron, and I think it's a good quote. Um, there's a number of ways people believe about how Scripture came to being, but he talks about dual inspiration, and, and I believe in this as well. This is what he says. This is his definition. God took the initiative in choosing to communicate. He did so through the work of the Spirit, who in turn empowered the human authors. The result is that the human authors wrote what the human authors wrote was in every sense the Word of God. Uh, again, a lot to unpack there. We don't have time to unpack all those things. I'm just going to whet your appetite. And again, in all these things, if you have deeper questions, more questions, I'll be glad to talk with you about it and try to get you some more resources for these things. But we believe that this is God's Word spoken, but He spoke it to men, and they then wrote uh, what God inspired them to write. Uh, what are some of these things that, what are some of the events and patterns in the Bible that help support this idea of this divine inspiration like this, uh, and, and that this is God's Word? Let me give you three that, uh, that, that I came up with to answer this question. There's more as well, uh, but I think these three are a good starting point. Uh, the first one I put in here was the good, the bad, and the ugly in God's Word and in God's people. In other words, you know, if I was going to write this book that I wanted to convince people uh, about who God was and how God was going to work, I would just make sure I did it to where, you know, it, it just put everybody in the best of light. But when you look at Scripture uh, and, and these men of God, these women of God, the the, the people of God, uh, they they were ugly. They, they did a lot of things that uh, uh, just we wouldn't want to have done and, and didn't, didn't, didn't think should be done. Uh, and they're in Scripture, and God doesn't back away from that, doesn't shy away from that. There's some things that, you know, in Scripture that when you read them, you think, oh, I just wish that wasn't in there. But God said, I, that needs to be in there because that's how I've worked, and that's who I've worked through. Uh, not that God's saying that, that again, they're, they're, he talks about the sinfulness of people and the fallenness of people, uh, and, and that points us to the need for a God and, and a Creator. Uh, again, God doesn't shy away from that in his scriptures. He doesn't try to clean it up. He doesn't try to make it look prettier. He said this this is the reality of the world that we live in, the fallen world that we live in. Everything he created, if you read Genesis 1 and 2, was good, was perfect, was exactly as it should be. He gave man a choice to be obedient and follow him or go their own way. Adam and Eve, first people created, chose to go their own way, and we have followed that pattern ever since. And that's what leads to the fallenness, the ugliness, the sin that's in this world today. We can't just blame it on Adam and Eve. It's us as well that do this, and, and God shares that in, in his word. So that's one thing I think supports that, that this is divinely inspired. Uh, God is wanting the whole truth to be seen and people to make their choices based upon everything they see. 
Uh, secondly is the consistency of the story uh, from Genesis to Revelation. It's the same God. Uh, when I hear people talk, you know, and uh, the, the, they talk about God in the Old Testament different than they, differently than they talk about him in the New Testament. They talk about the God in the Old Testament as this angry, wrathful uh, God that seems to somehow enjoy, you know, punishing people and enjoy bringing, you know, wrath and biblical proportions on people. And, you know, and, and they talk about him in that, you know, I've heard TV shows and I've seen other things that talk about this God. He's, he's almost like he's angry and, and, and he's somehow enjoying these things. But then you get to the New Testament uh, and, and then you have Jesus and, and you have this soft, you know, God that just uh, uh, is compassionate. Almost like something happened between Malachi and Matthew uh, and God rethought, you know, who he was or, or learned better or something is how people may think. But no, when you read Scripture and read it properly, uh, he's the same God from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Uh, the judgment, just God that, that does bring punishment on people is seen from Genesis all the way through Revelation. The loving God who calls people to be obedient to him and trust in him and believe in him is seen from Genesis to Revelation. So the consistency we see there. Uh, and then also, finally, and we'll wrap up with this today, uh, is the varied accounts of events. In the Old Testament, uh, you have uh, the, the First and Second Chronicles. You also have First and Second Kings, and it's dealing with some of the same time period uh, to a degree. And um, you know, there's there's some differences there, and and because of the authors, the perspectives they were writing, uh, and, and the way they were looking at things, there, there's a little bit of variation there. Uh, you go to the New Testament. You go to the Gospels. We have four Gospels. Uh, there was a comedian, can't remember his name right now, but he became a believer later in life, and uh, so he said he wanted to read through the Bible, so he started picking up the Bible and started reading through it. He got to the Gospels, uh, and, and he said, why do they keep killing this guy? You know, because every Gospel has an account of the crucifixion of Christ, and he didn't understand in the initial reading that uh, this was the same story told from different angles, from different perspectives. Uh, to, to different groups of people so they could understand him, uh, understand more about Christ. And so it's not different stories. It's just the same story told to different people in different uh, uh, in ways that they could understand what they would need. So even that, I think, proves uh, the uh, validity of, of God's Word, that he would give that. Um, and again, there's a lot more to this that we could talk about and, and discuss. Some people talk about errors that are in the Bible and those kinds of things. Mostly we're talking about you know, the original manuscripts, and we'll talk more about this next week. Um, uh, were uh, exactly as God would have written, yes, man has made an influence on that. We'll get into that next week a little bit. But I think what we've shared today is just uh, how can we know who God is? Well, general revelation, specific revelation, and that specific re revelation specifically being his word and why we can trust in his word. We'll look at some of the implications of that next week. Hope you'll join me again. Uh, I hope and pray that these studies will be encouraging to you uh, as you not only affirm your faith um, or maybe come to faith in, in God, uh, but also that you can use this to encourage others as well. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we come before you today. We thank you for who you are and the fact that we can know you. Help us to know you, love you, and serve you in all we say and do this day and every day. It's in Christ's most holy name that we pray. Amen.